Hello and welcome back to the first time. Here it is, the final episode of series one. Now, I know I've said this quite a lot during these introductions, but thank you so much to everyone who's tuned in. In a time of quite intense isolation, this project has kept me somewhat sane and it's been amazing to see the positive response that it's had with you guys. So I guess, I guess that means that we should work on series two, which is in the pipeline. Um, We've got guests lined up and really excited to move forward with that. Just going to take a little bit of a break before. Um, So yeah, the final episode. Well, as it's the last in the series, it had to be a special one. And it don't come any more special than interviewing your boss. That's right, the last episode of the season is me interviewing the man, the myth, the legend that is Sam Dyson, owner and founder of Track Brewing Co. The guy who I have to thank for being in this seat. Now, boss feels like a strong word to use. Sam's been a great friend and has granted me so many opportunities that I will forever be thankful for. And, you know, six years down the line now, it's good that we can still share laughs over the table about everything that's gone on in the past. Now, as I'm kind of involved in this story a little bit, uh, it's a little bit more back and forth than usual episodes. It's also the first time I've actually done an episode face-to-face, at a healthy distance, of course, with a proper microphone so we can actually get some decent sound quality, which excites me greatly and hopefully something that we can, in years to come, really do on a much bigger scale uh, with more guests. So... I think one thing I've learned from this is an hour of talking isn't actually that long. Like with every guest, we could have carried on for days. We went a little bit over. This is, this was nearly two hours long and I've kept it largely unedited because I just thought, well, why not just put this out there? But to try and refrain from boring you too much, I've tried to keep each episode to around the hour mark. Uh, it means there's a lot of parts of the story missing, but maybe we can pick up all of that another day. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. We will be back with more guests, I promise. But for now, it's goodbye to Series 1. But not without asking Sam what that first beer was for him. One beer, Fat Tire by New Belgian Brewery from Colorado. But that's in context of the cycle trip I did in the States. But prior to all of that, I think that's, that was the one that was like, okay, this is, this is interesting and a bit different mm-hmm. and something that I've not come across before. Whereas being at uni up in Edinburgh and when we were, you know, 18, 19 or younger, sort of growing up in, around Chester, these things didn't exist you had you had like you know like you had Stella Cronenberg if you were lucky Heineken export (laughs) there was and that was like that was you know when you met up with everyone in town and had a few beers that's what was on offer Mm -hmm. and if you were really feeling fruity you had Guinness um but then going to uni these other things appeared like Duca's IPA and 80 shilling and 60 shilling and 90 shilling and they were just, you know, they're like cask beers that you'd get back home. But um, there was nothing out there 
that was as intensely flavoursome. I don't recall anyway, apart from until I was travelling a lot around the States. And Fat Tire was unique in the sense... I mean, this is, we're talking 11 years ago now. Yeah. And I wrote down on a bit of paper before we started doing this, like all the breweries that I sort of went to and saw and the beers that... Before still... we started the brewery or before... You... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This right. was like when I was cycling mm-hmm. and the, the, the breweries... Like, you know, it's a new dawn, an awakening. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I started... The, that that particular that that bike ride in the states it started in a place called Yorktown in Virginia, um, and the, the first the proliferation of beers like the, you would go into like a what we would call like a spa or something like that, yeah. and there would be fridge upon fridge of these beers in cans that you'd not seen before, and these beautiful bottles, and you know you you would go to the equivalent co-op here or spa and it's still that today mm-hmm. that you would get you know your stellar like yeah. your box of carling for like 12 quid or whatever it is and they just had this you could just wander around picking up all these beers and just trying a different one all the time but the one and i, I know the u.s is different because they have like this distribution thing and I, unless i'm someone listening out there will probably correct me and talk call me an idiot but like coast to coast distribution is is a tricky thing over there, I think. Mm-hmm. And a new Belgian by that stage, they'd grown much like we have, although comparing us to them is absolutely ridiculous. But like, <laughs> you know, like they, it was, they're a little bit bigger now. Yeah, a little bit bigger with like, you know, you could say like by the order of about 5,000 times. But yeah. they, they, you know, I, it was like a husband and wife. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they were, they were home brewing and they were sort of started off very small and then grew it. But the, I think they had coast-to-coast distribution because they were of a size. So you could buy New Belgian beer in Virginia, even though it's a Colorado brewery. Mm-hmm. And this thing was like, it was amber, but it was clean and crisp. And it still had like a hoppiness to it. And it had a kick. And you were like, All right, okay, I could drink several of these and <laughs> everything would be all right. <laughs> and because of the nature of like, cycling anyway you're moving slowly yeah. and you're not sort of careering through towns you, so, and cities yeah so to give a i know you hate this story now yeah. you've had to repeat it so many times but the wandering but for a bit of, yeah the for a bit of context for those people that kind of might not know the the history of track as it were you kind of you went to edinburgh university went yeah. down to london got a job there Working in a sector, we weren't going to the nitty gritty of it, but it wasn't something that you felt fulfilled in. No, and you just sewage thought, work, really. Sewage, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and you just were like, yeah, I think like what was the little spark? Because you just it was a is it something you'd always dreamed of? Like cycling was always yeah. something you were keen on. So like, I, I knew the first question, even though I have listened to all the podcasts. <laughs> <ever. laughs> like I knew that's I knew a lie for anyone listening. Was, was about. <laughs> The, you know, the, the first beer. Yeah. But, like, in context, a lot of this comes from my family. So, yeah. which sounds weird, because when I say that there is nobody in my family that is connected to beer. Yeah. Or has any history of making beer or being involved with breweries. I think my uncle, one of them, was a brewery analyst from a finance side. But, yeah. like, nobody you know, made beer or had anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. So when you're growing up, when I was growing up, 
There was no connection to it in that sense, apart from the fact that my dad drank a lot of it, and he would make his own beer, and I, as a toddler and all the rest, would like you know, you know, drink this stuff. Basically. <laughs> and so, and that he had this like favourite pub in a place called Nantwich called the Burtport, which was like this legendary pub which would have on. 15 to 20 lines of cask beer which now seems sort of like a quaint notion but yeah. back then was like it was unbelievable unique. yeah totally. and you could go in and like and he did have you know johnny's tub thumper which was seven percent down to like you know this pale ale from the local you know brewery or whatever and he and his mates would then cycle back and crash into trees and cars <laughs> and stuff and like this is true and like so all of it's connected like the cycling the beer the sort of you know the influence crashing into things crashing into things and this sort of i don't know like slow seeping in and i always was interested in bit like even at, at uni as well like but i didn't know like go, going to edinburgh uni there is now like a very and there probably was then like a very distinct course at harriet watt for mm-hmm. brewing and distilling that's probably been going since the 1800s yeah. or something well but, theo went up there yeah and loads of people I, i'd forgotten that like I've forgotten that's a stupid word, but it's a pretty strong brewing culture totally. up there. Like some really great breweries that have been going quite a long time. Yeah, um, in Edinburgh, like you can, when the wind changes, that whole town smells of beer. Yeah. Like malt and, you know, wort boiling and this kind of, it's for the Caledonian. Mm. But when I, I was there, I was doing economics and so I wasn't, I didn't know that yeah. half a mile down the road someone was studying something that I'd eventually sort of become intensely interested in probably my fault but like you know it was there and so that doing that degree and mm-hmm. you know ending up in sort of like you know graduate job that you need to sort of pay off your student loans that kind of thing and, so, and just finding this sort of notion that it was not satisfying mm-hmm. in any way and so my uncle um, there's another family connection, lives and has lived in San Francisco for 25, 30 years now. And I'd always been cycling with my dad when I was growing up, and I grew up around Cheshire. And so, you know, you'd, it would be a thing you'd, like, cycle yeah. to and from your Sainsbury's job. You would cycle on weekends. Um, and then, yeah, so I thought, if I did a road trip, if I took some time out, you know, find myself and all that kind of <laughs> crap um, and figure out maybe what it is that I think I might want to do and I had no idea so this was literally just a kind of like right I'm going to just build a blank canvas yeah completely cycle over it and see if there's anything yeah maybe left. I, yeah maybe I won't come back like, yeah not in a maudlin sense but yeah. like you know like you know just in an adventurous just like, yeah, just see. like take off and yeah. like this you know the back of my head was like this will be cheap because i'll be camping a lot and mm-hmm. i'll but that would sorry to go back like my uncle mark lived in the in, in san francisco on the yeah. west coast of states and so i thought well maybe i could do a road trip and like you know romantic notion like like rent a cheap motorbike or something or other and you know do it that way and i was like no i will cycle this so i started to look into how far is it <laughs> to go across america on a bike and you know, how, how big are the bears? And like, <laughs> are you going to get eaten? And, and, like, people... My friends and people that I work with 
were when I sort of told them that I was thinking of doing this, they were all like, "You're insane for even thinking about it. You're totally out of shape, and um, you know you're throwing away a career." Yeah. And I, in my head, I was like, "I don't give a shit about." any three of those because a i'll get fitter when i'm doing it b i don't really give a crap about doing this thing anyway and c it's gonna take me what three months something yeah. like that it was a very much like what have I, I mean if you'd have been happy in a job that you'd have really loved maybe they, they would have felt like more of a sacrifice but i guess where you are at that yeah. time after just going through education and steaming through to these different things you've been like well fuck it like i can yeah i, I can find something I'll be able to do something when I get back, whatever that may be. Yeah, and, you know, you, you know, think, like, oh, transferable skill sets, that kind of thing. You know, maybe if I end up in America and I'll, you know, do something or other. Or, but it, and that's, that was, like, how it started. So um, was the first, so let's get on to that trip yeah. then, because, like, I, I could spend hours just asking you about that trip, <laughs> but obviously we need to bring it back to some sense of, uh, yeah. of talking about beer. So you, was the, was... America, where you went first, yeah. was that the first stop? And you landed on the East Coast, and you were heading west. Yeah, so I flew into Atlanta, and then took a tiny little plane to, I think it was Williamsburg. Yeah. Uh, Williams, yeah, Williams, was it Williamsburg, Virginia? And then you could, then I cycled from there to Yorktown, which is... The, the, it's where the, they have this thing called the Adventure Cycling Association in the States... And there is a trail that they have fully mapped out. Like you can follow it, and if you, it's called the um, the Lewis and Clark Trail. Yeah, who essentially came over on the Mayflower founding fathers, that kind of thing, and was sort of, kind of, they were sent out to discover the West, essentially. And these two guys were in their twenties when they started to do this, and they, you know, they mapped basically the way like they were crazy like yeah. incredible adventurers yeah completely the opposite of me today. <laughs> but like but it had that kind of like sense of you know what what the hell is going to happen because it yeah. is like it's four thousand miles it's a long it. way it's yeah, a very it's, long it's way it's a long way and there are a lot of mountains in between and four thousand miles of just incredible beauty like america the united states is an incredible incredible place yeah like it, we've been there together and we did it we, we went to new york i know we did the like city vibe but i mean it's a continent yeah. in itself isn't it so you've got every landscape every yeah, mountains lakes to it has incredible cities and um, so so on this like was it pretty immediate when you walked into just a shop just to see if you could pick up a beer that it was just like it was yeah straight away you were just like uh this does not look like yeah sainsbury's around the corner from me no, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting that this was, like, literally everywhere. Like, it was, you know, you were yeah. opening you know, Aladdin's cave, and yeah. suddenly there was just this stuff everywhere. Because that's painting a false picture, I think. But, like, there were definitely options. Mm-hmm. You know, when you rolled into the campsite, or quite often I was just rough camping by the side of the road, I'd pull in somewhere, and you'd go to a store before you decided to pull over by the side of the road. And this makes me sound like I was, like, some sort of cycling alcoholic. <laughs> getting leather and stuff, <laughs> leaving this campsite. It actually took you camp- six years to six get across years, America. Yeah, yeah there's like a mile a day. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's... But there were these interesting things that you could find, like little... And each time you stopped somewhere, you could, you know, pick something different or something yeah. like that. And it wasn't... That wasn't the driving force behind it. It just became a theme that was everywhere. And... It, when you got into bigger towns and bigger... 
cities and you had time and you weren't just concentrating on like oh i need to make 100 miles to get to here and get to there because obviously the states is quite a big place so you Mm -hmm. need to get across it to miss weather and you know cycling through kansas and missouri during hurricane season uh, or tornado season rather is like you know it's a bit of a kind of risky yeah and so (laughs) sometimes you'd have to stop somewhere for a while to allow weather to pass and in that time you would explore the wherever it was that you'd let and let ended up so give us give us a, an example of one spot where you stopped and did you find like a tap room or something that was just where you're like wow this is really cool i think the or the first kind of tap room you got to where you were just like this is so there is a place that sticks in my mind hugely and it was you know i by that stage i'd got to i want to say colorado like this yeah. is, we're talking a decade ago so like remember there was a little town called Guffy, and it, it could, for all I know, be like a tourist trap. I don't know. But yeah. when I got there, it was this crazy place. Like, there were these skeletons. Uh, I don't think they were real, but, like, in, you know, in cages. Like, this old guy, like, you know, the old mountain man had been, like, <laughs> dressing up skeletons and, like, making them ride stagecoaches and stuff. And, like, it was an old... It looked like an abandoned mining town with me and this old guy <laughs> But there was a there was a bar in in Guffy, and there was a band playing, and there was like just taps on the wall, and it was going off like there was a lot of drinking going on, and I got stuck in, and it was like the beer was from a local brewery. You have to forgive me; I don't know what they were called, but I was like, "This is cool," because yeah. this was a proper community bar. You could tell that people had come from over the other side of the mountain, and yeah. like we're going to get back there in one piece or not and it was it was great it was a really interesting little place but that is you know i'd cycled god knows like how many thousand like a thousand miles by that stage but like like i the, all of this early stuff was really rural so like you're yeah. going to like by the dint of you being on a bike you're not on a highway going through the, the main bit you're on a back road trying to get somewhere in the you know in some cases like you know, like West Virginia, you kind of don't want to be seen that much on your bike. <laughs> and so you're not trying to hide, like you're trying to sort of, you know, make it through the day alive. You stand out quite a lot. Yeah, it's exactly. like as the guy on a bike, just like, where are you going, mate? Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just going down the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got coal trucks yeah. dumping coal on you and like logging trucks coming past at like 80 Whoa. million miles an hour. Like, it is, yeah, pretty weird. But like that place in particular just really stuck in my mind. And I think after that, I like sort them out. Yeah. And did you, was that, that wasn't a brewery bar. No. But so when was the first one that you found that was like an all under one roof, all encompassing? Oh, man. Or was it just, I, I guess maybe I think I'm it would have been in, in like in bigger towns, so it was like Denver and. Yeah. Um, and then there was definitely a couple in Idaho that I remember. And then obviously when you get to the West coast, you like Seattle, Portland, and then it's just basically one after the other after that. And then I was really into my stride and I knew what I was looking for. (laughs) After 4,000 miles of of training. But but those things, you know, they mean a lot to us Mm because we've been fortunate enough to travel with this job and go to place and have beers with the brewers and the people that run these things and we see what they mean to people yeah and they are 
incredible things. And but it's by the same token, like that beer that you would have in the campsite or that wild camping spot that you'd got above the coastal bluffs on you know Route 101 type thing. That beer is just as special, and you could share that with like a couple of me people you met on the road or a couple yeah. of people that roll into the camp that night. And, and it's not just drinking for drinking's sake. It's kind no, of like there's, there's something... Some of that, but like, some, yeah, I mean, a little bit of that, but there's something... Uh, well, I guess because you were literally exploring different states, which, I mean, yeah, yeah the fridge is going to look totally different. So uh, that was America. Yes. And that, that whole trip, that went for two years, didn't it? But America was yeah. the starting point. Yeah. So you, you, you carried on, and was this always like... I mean... Like I said, we could lose hours just talking about the, the, the cycling trip, but from that moment in America, was there just this little twinkle of, like, an idea? Um, yeah, so I remember speaking to a friend of mine, and I was like, there's something going on here. This mm-hmm. is really interesting. Like, and I, I'm 100% sure that people some people who are listening to this podcast will be like, well, this is ridiculous, because like, there was breweries back in the 70s who were doing this thing in the UK. And, like, you know, I know, but it's just but so I, different, it's, isn't it's it? It's so different. It's and so it was, different. It was... There was this sort of thing like, okay, the beer is different for a start. Yeah. You know, we're talking... This is a time before the East Coast haze craze yeah. and, you know, the likes of Other Half and Finback and... Um, Treehouse, and Treehouse, yeah. Trillium, and then on the west coast, like Cellarmaker, and all. It's, this is pre all of these people. Like the beers were like, well, the breweries that were like the ones that, were, that I would come across quite regularly and could could get and drink were like Great Divide, Left Hand, New Belgian, Odell. Um, it's a really well made, just like yeah, like brilliant beers. beer yeah. by brilliant breweries, and it was. Piney, resinous, crisp, clean, yeah. and that's before you even get to like Russian River and mm-hmm. their sort of tap room, which was down there at the time. And like, you know, there is a place um, called the Lost Coast in California, which is it's like a, it's like a turnoff basically, and it's it's one of the most undeveloped parts of of California, I think, still to this day. And there was a little brewery there called, like, the Lost Coast Brewery. And they had, like, you know, Great White and, you know, Lost Coast IPA and this kind of thing. And they were all, like... There was definitely, like... I don't remember drinking anything like this in the yeah. UK. And I'm pretty sure... Well, n- no one was... Doing... Yeah, there wasn't, really. It just... I don't think so. I mean, I'm kind of talking a little past... I mean, I'm 32 now, so, yeah. I mean, I, it just wasn't something that concerned me at that time. I was working in, like, local rural kind of Yorkshire pubs where it was, yeah. you know, cas- Cascale and... Yeah, cocktail and Bel- shaker and Panama Hatties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, some Belgian, like, strong Belgian stuff was kind of making its way. Mm. Um, yeah, Chimay Blue or Chimay Yeah, Red and like, Bell and the... stuff like that. Yeah. But you just drink it, you're like, whoa, beer's 8%. Let's, yeah, what? Yeah, let's get... Let's not do that again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, so those... That was the thing. It was like, okay... And it wasn't... The other thing was, you know, when I'd go for a beer with my dad and we'd go to, like, the local pub or whatever and you'd have, like, a pint of cask, it did still have that stigma around it of, like, oh, you know, you can have the warm cask ale, are you? That's nice. Yeah. You know, and, then, then the, and, like, the Chester Camera Festival and that kind of thing, it had, like, a stigma to it, rightly or wrongly. Um, and there was none of this. Like, if you went to, like, a microbrewery 
uh, or a tap room in Portland and Seattle, you were not drinking with that you know that kind of thing that kind of it was baggage. well presented it was like yeah this was a glassware it was yeah someone had sat down know. and thought about it yeah and gone this is what i want to do for like me my business for the community and like these things were you know some of them were massive then as well like you know we talked about new belgium but like lagunitis or Lag- lagunitis yeah this is a big concern I'm, you know everyone I think in your other podcast has referred to Sierra Nevada as being this sort of formative beer. And it is. And this was, you know, you could get that, obviously, in the States because it was, they're a huge concern. I think you could probably get it over in the UK if you like, at that time, if you. Yeah, that was probably just coming in, I imagine. And like, so. But it wasn't like, okay, this is the thing. There's more of these. Yeah. This is opening a door. It was more like, okay, here's your one, and there's your Carling, and there's your Casper. It, yeah. like, it didn't seem to be this flood. And whereas over, during this trip, and like, then going to like, um, Aust- Australasia, uh, and then like, there was obviously, there was slightly less in, in New Zealand and Australia and stuff. But then you've got like, Spates, Monteiths, and they had... It, at the time in New Zealand, they had Epic Brewing. I think it just started sort of like the year before I was there. Yeah. Um, so some of their stuff was great. And it was clearly inspired by the this, US. this US stuff. And so... All right. So uh, this is interesting because I guess like I always just say the US part because that seems to be like obvious, the obvious yeah. part of it. But there was other things bubbling around yeah, in different parts about, of the world. Because I guess British beer culture was, like you say, pub, cask... Yeah, and that is a wonderful thing. Yeah, and it's a beautiful thing. Something that kind of, I think, through this whole journey that we might reach is just has come back round. You know, we've got to know. And and in fact, you started. Yeah. And it was predominantly cask. But we'll we'll get to that point. So let's get back to England. Yes. So you've come back off this trip. Good old Blighty. Good old Blighty. The sunny shores of of London town. Yeah. So you, you arrived back and... Were you kind of, I want to say like hell bent, or was it just like I'm going to try, I'm I'm going to search this out a bit, and, yeah, and try and find a place to to see if I can kind of acquire some skills and some ideas of of what if if I could make this work as as my own business. Yeah, because I, I'm not arrogant and daft enough to think you oh, can just steam whoa, into hang it. Hang on a minute, everybody. <laughs> I've been in America, did you know, and this stuff's really good, and let me just show all of you who've been doing this for 500 years what to really do now. (laughs) No, I didn't. I shit myself. And, like, I knew... Having seen different scales of these things... Yeah. um, And... Being, like, overfaced by sort of something... Because that's what happens. So, mm-hmm. like, if you go to a, a brewery that's been running for 15, 20 years, it's going to be quite a big affair, and it's going to have all the bells and whistles. And then in, like, New, New Zealand, it was, you know, okay, it was a little bit smaller, but some of these things are still huge as well. Then being in South America, and then the, going to, like, to the very bottom of... You know, from the top of South America to the bottom, like, down in Ushuaia and Patagonia... There were these really small breweries set up by sometimes expats like German guys. Who I love the one, the, the, the honey brewery yeah, the in honey Patagonia. Yeah, the honey in Chile. Yeah, oh, like, Chile oh, yeah. yeah, drink this. And, like, 
And it wasn't like, okay, right, so these, these guys are really small and doing a really bad job, I can do that too. It was, it was more like, I need to know how to do this because yeah. it is, I'm clearly getting quite obsessed by this. Yeah. Um, and everything that I've seen about this industry and the way it runs, I like because it is community-driven, it's sharing something that is clearly connecting people in yeah. a good way. Um, and I don't think at this point in time there are that many people doing it over in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then I come back and then a mate of mine says, hey, have you heard about these guys up in Scotland? They've, they've got this brewery thing, like kind of what you were talking about. And I was like, okay, brew dog. Yeah, that sounds quite interesting. And then shortly afterwards, it was like, oh, there's this guy um, not far from where he used to live in near borough who's making bottled beers like sort of these really hazy like ipa driven things like you keep on tell- telling us all about and boring the pants off us i thought like, okay cool and then it was like that was called the colonel and so people were it was this thing was starting basically it's, so it's like talking about this in like in past because you yeah. just remember it was like whoa just like all of that no i know but do you remember when you well, yeah i, I totally i totally remember it but like but it's just it's just so cool it, it feels such a yeah. distant past now but like yeah car- carry on yeah so you, you no so like there was this and so I was like okay right let's think about this like how do you so I went off did some courses I volunteered here there everywhere I like cash washed uh, did uh, dre runs I was sort of setting up lines for people and then so that was with you you kind of settled with Camden well like yeah so when I when I was on this course who were in the like the very early episodes of what they're, they're yeah I mean, they're a huge so i global brand now i imagine a lot of this has changed now but like when you were trying to sort of you know get your feet in and sort of like really learn how to do this and like you know study it like you were studying um history or something yeah, like, yeah. or going back and doing your masters in economics or whatever like you just like, <laughs> get into it properly like and I think Evan, the colonel said, like, you could find almost everything you needed to know at the time on YouTube to, yeah. to, to like, you know, how do I make a clone of Pliny the Elder? To, that, that kind of thing. And, like, some guy would tell you how to do it in a bucket in your garage. And, like, I was like, no. Like, who is setting up or who has set up at the moment that is doing what I've seen over there and, like, is taking it as seriously in that way? Not for one minute suggesting that the colonel weren't, but, like, and this guy was saying, there's a guy setting up a brewery in Camden, and it sounds like they're putting some money into it, and they are making what you're talking about. They are doing keg-only product. Um, they are looking for, like, hop-forward beers. And so I was like, okay, cool. So I went there and worked there for a couple of years and saw them do it from the beginning. Um, there was, you know... The head brewer, Trolls. Uh, there was a guy called James Garstang, who was a really cool guy. And then there was me, and then there was a, a girl called Joey in the office, and there was Jasper. So that was it? That, that, was, that was Camden? At if, the... Yeah, I think. Like, there was other people floating around, because there was yeah. the guys that owned the bars, and then there was, um, you know... It's, but it was a pretty small setup. It was a small setup. Yeah. It was a small setup, and it was obviously well-funded, and they were really thinking about it, and it was a really hard place to to do things because it was small and it was obviously the investment so they needed to you know this thing needed to fly and yeah. hit the ground running and so yeah it was really interesting to see it from that side like 
not a question of like how not to do it or what to do or all that kind of stuff, but like just to see this thing evolve in, in action. And like, um, but at the time, they weren't alone. There were other people. So uh, the, obviously, Colonel were doing great guns down in Borough Market. Um, and then I think there was like a few others that were, I can't remember, that were sort of bubbling around. Yeah. But always in the back of my mind was like, yeah, I'm going to do this for myself. So there was a period of like looking at doing it in London, like running around, looking at railway arches, like going. It's just okay. so hard. I don't know how anyone managed to. to uh, do it. Just well, they didn't, did they? Well, I didn't because yeah. like I couldn't do do it there. Like yeah. you know, like fi- finance fell through. Like I did, I couldn't just couldn't get it going basically. Yeah. Um, and so I was. I'm from Chester originally, yeah. and my sister had moved back up to Manchester. Um, my, all my family is around here now. And so I was like, you know what? Forget this. This is like Dick Whittington in reverse. I'm completely, <laughs> I'm completely fucking this up. Yeah. I need to get out of here. And I was like, okay, so I'll give myself... I'll go back up to, to the northwest. I'll give myself six months. If I can't sort this shit out, then, you know, okay. Uh, that, or maybe I'll go and work for another brewery somewhere else. But like yeah. for, for me, you know, I'd give myself this time frame... And then I moved back up here and introduced myself to like all all the local breweries and just wandered in and said hi to like Mark at Runaway, um, Ollie, Ollie Squawk. at Squawk, yeah. uh, Rob down at Blackjack, and I was like, oh yeah, these guys are really cool. Yeah, and this and they were all pretty much one man bands at yeah. that time. Yeah, so I guess that's what I was saying. Like Camden was almost like it was the, kind of the wrong place to go. Yeah, because. I don't have that level of finance at all. And so you walk into a place like that and you, with my kind of brain, you're like, okay, so you need this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. Let's, let's run the numbers on it. Let's do the analytics on it. And you're like, fuck, I can't do this. Because yeah, this is ridiculous. Work and so it was almost like you need all this stuff to do what you want to do. Whereas I should have been like looking at the guys down at Colonel who were growing something you know, it's on a much smaller scale in a much more sort of me kind Organic, of way yeah. and um, they were making some amazing beers as well I think still to this day like we talk about those guys as like some, one of the originators of oh, we, me and you have had that yeah. Yeah. IPA Citro single hop I just like you it's just so good yeah so it really fresh. is um, it still is and like, it's you know everything that they you know, we look at them and just think what a great thing like yeah. they've built a really Nice business. Totally different in as well. They've stayed like kind yeah. of quite still in an ever ever moving. Yeah, don't shout. Don't yeah. you know make a fuss about anything and just sort of just do what they do and they do it really well and like it, they are exemplars. Of yeah. It. So back to Manchester. Yeah, because that is again it's just such a trip down memory lane because Ollie Squawk one man band. Yep. Mark Runaway one man maybe. Yep. Maybe a bit of help. Rob Blackjack, like looking at us all, going, "You're you guys, like hire some people." Yeah, this is. (laughs) (laughs) You could really do with a day off. Uh, Yeah, and obviously this is this is really because Manchester now. For those that don't know, like where we sit in and doing this interview, Mm. there's, I think there's like sixteen breweries in a square mile from here now. Like it's yeah, it's it's it it just seems like like rapidly uh, reproduced almost. Just, well, there was this just thing like... organism. But it was so cool and it was very much like each yeah. brewery was such... Um, 
an example of the personality of the person running it at totally. the time. You know, and you had Rob doing quite really trad stuff. Mark had kind of settled into his, like, uh, core range. Yep. Ollie, who was kind of finding his feet with different stuff, doing a bit of cask. Um, yeah, but, it was such, such a, such a but they young, were, young kind of... Yeah, and the, the, there was this sort of... Market, I guess. And they were the guys that were already here. And obviously, you can't really talk about... Well, you can't talk about Manchester Brewery without, without talking about Marble. Marble, of course, like, yeah. cause, like, they've produced like a who's who of sort of like brewers from yeah. out from that place, and you know, uh, Fifty Seven Thomas Street. I used to go in there all the time when I first came back up, and um, there was Jamie who was working behind the bar, and like just these, just this friendliness and this sort of like openness that wasn't and it was so small as yeah, well the exactly. amount of people that were really into it was just such such a small we could go to of... the pub and like you would bump into ollie and mark and yeah you just it'd be like all right okay so uh, like everyone this is where where everyone goes and like, it was just it was it was just fun it was I was good very nostalgic right oh, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm not because i was nearly dying of tiredness but like <laughs> so but the, 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 they were the guys that were already here so you you did a little bit of a run around uh, helped out at these different spots, yeah, and then you managed to secure the location, yeah, so underneath Piccadilly Station, which is this is the crazy thing, isn't it? Because in a, in a sense, that's prime real estate, but yeah. like at that time in Manchester, it was no man's land, no, there was and it was nothing. a two thousand square foot arch that in London would have probably been, been yeah, just at, out at, way out of the pay grade, but in Manchester, the, there was nothing going on in these these spots there was no and they wanted you to dead space you wanted people to take them and do things in yeah. them and they you know i don't think that these railway arches like they're defined like you know it's just a bit it's an empty box for you yeah. to start something in which is what's you know it's they're not great but like they will allow you to you know get something going and at that time when you got that one that was like it was big. Oh yeah, like there's a picture of me sat. Yeah, there. It's, and like it's, for anyone, I'll try and put it up with the the episode. But there's but the photo of Sam just sat there with like, which honestly now is like it's ridiculous. I can't even think of it. They're, through COVID, we've had like ten pallets of cans and like trying to squeeze through small spaces and stuff. Uh, but at that time, there was two tanks at the top and the mash tun <laughs> and like a little. I'm understanding like. Probably the best part of a morning, like, arranging all the casks like in a line. Yeah. Sort of because I've got low level OCD of just sort yeah, of I know these all. I was like, th- now you're just thinking, what the hell were you doing? Like, oh, even this, just the luxury of being able to do that yeah. is, uh, is something. Anyway, like, we won't we yeah, won't yeah. complain too much about that. But there was a vibe and there was an atmosphere and there was a, there was an openness to to people kind of because Mark, I'm pretty sure Mark had done exactly the same as you, but done. Yeah. Like done a couple of days with Ollie at Squawk and like got a feel for it, and he'd come up from Bristol and used to be an architect and that kind of thing. Yep. So there was a kind of like settlement of people just being like maybe leaving careers behind to to try this new adventure, really. Yeah, and I think some people. Yeah, I, I know. Like in some senses, and it was affordable as well. Like it was. Yeah. It was not. I mean, obviously, any business has a risk, but like there was an yeah. ability to be able to have a space to be able to do it in that wasn't. Yeah, and in, in, they in the were the, those guys were already here and making really good beer. And, yeah. um, but then when I was putting up my cold room, these four guys wandered in <laughs> into like this, what was then like a cavern of a place. 
And we're like, you're putting up a cold room on your own. Do you want, do you want some help with that? Because it looks quite hard. Um, I think my dad had like, gone home at that point. Anyway, but like, it turned out to be the guys who set up Cloudwater. Will, so, Will, James. James, Al and Paul. And Paul, yeah. And yeah, so the five of us put this cold room up, had a beer, you know, met each other and were like, right, cool. And it was... There was no pretense about them or anything like, you know, we're going to show everyone what this whole thing's about. They were just, like, really nice guys, again, like, willing to help. And, and, and since then, it's been like that since the beginning since with them. Day, since day one. Like, and, and, yeah. and, and through a beautiful part of the Manchester Bruins scene is that you'll lend hops to people, then lend, yeah. lend you hops. When, when you need something, uh, it's... it's it's been hugely, hugely cooperative in that sense. So I, I, I guess because this podcast, I have a little bit of skin in the game here because oh, I, yeah. I actually had a, I kind of work for track, don't I? I guess. <laughs> so mate, you are track. I, you are I, the I, beating heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to kind true. of go. I'm going to go flashback to my first encounter with you, and also first encounter with track because I remember seeing it on the bar in Font in Charlton. I mean, which like, is a which is a big thing, right? The font, Chilton. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It, and it was it was the pump clip. Oh yeah. And the pump clip was different. It was not cir- circular, <laughs> which uh, was <laughs> radical. But it was very angular, and it, it had a little bit more design to it. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Who are these guys? Like, uh, I mean, I was super young in my kind of experience of beer. I've worked behind like a kind of craftish beer bar. I was trying to get, like, learning and getting a feel for it. And then Ollie, who runs Squawk, is from the same small town as me. Uh, and he gave me a shout because he was like, oh, my friend Sam set up a brewery down the road. He's got loads of space. He wants to do some events in there. Would you think about doing a gig in there or something? And I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll, I'll have a go. And, and then I came up to Ollie's and you were there. Uh, and we talked about like doing this gig that never went ahead, actually. But uh, and then I, I, I don't know how it kind of happened. I think maybe Ollie was just like, "Do you want to try and do sales for us for like me and Sam?" And I was like, "I I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like I have zero experience in this field." But I mean, I drank in the bars around Manchester, so I yeah. get a bit of a feel for the for the for the city. And uh, well, you know everybody. That's yeah, the thing. <laughs> just talk a lot. Yeah. Anyone just talking at a brick wall. Just yeah. uh, well, you make friends with that brick wall as well. Yeah, like <laughs> we live together. Yeah. Um, but I remember going, and then like within a day or two days of seeing you and Ollie working, I was like, all romanticism about the industry died because yeah. it was like holy shit. Because at that time. You know, I was just doing purely sales, so no invoicing or anything like that. Like it was like you were doing everything, everything, brewing the beer, yeah, everything, like racking the beer, doing the invoicing, like taking it out and delivering it. Mm. And I, I don't think this is necessarily a super rare story, but I was just like, holy fuck, man, this is like way more intense. And but it suddenly just felt so, so kind of exciting because I'd done like a music background and it felt like a brewery was almost like a band and I've, I always use this analogy of like there's something about it that is it's a creative sphere of which that can keep moving forward and keep progressing and changing and that's what really excited me and like to bring it to track I remember like 
the beer just being something that no one else for me at that time was produced, especially in Manchester, was just it was just not being produced in the same way. There was just a clean, hoppy character that I had not really had, and that was Ozark on cask. I remember just drinking it. Yeah. I was like, fuck, man, this is this is so good. Like, and I think from there, I just and I think the biggest thing. You know, we can get to Matt as well, who's our head brewer now, who's yeah. led the creative charge on the beer front. I think me and Matt both gravitated towards track because you were super open. Like, you had no sense of what it could be or what it... I mean, you'd set it up on a shoestring. I don't know, how much was the fit? Like, 30 grand or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so I'd... Which I'd, is obviously a lot of money, but it was... Yeah, I'd borrow, like... Your I'd, equipment is... I'd gone... I'd, made a business plan yeah gone to the bank and said look look at this <laughs> a friend of mine helped me out with a bit of money and i put in a bit of money and um they did like a match funding thing i have like if i think if you tried to do it now they'd just laugh at you yeah i, I think it's but whatever the bank manager was like okay yeah you seem to be making some sense here let's give you some money the good <laughs> old days yeah the good old days and like so yeah, we we had no massive budget to do this, which is why there was like a couple of fermenters in there. And like, if you wrote it down on paper now, you'd just be like, "This is ridiculous. ridiculous! What are you doing?" It was so lucky. We, I mean, I've talked about this a few times, but like that hitting that wave at that time, yeah, so where the market was not saturated as such, or it was just it was just a new exciting venture. Yeah, there was an interview that we did fairly recently where it was a pull quote of mine there was something like <laughs> it's rankles <laughs> like oh yeah you can just have a bash and i don't remember saying that because th- that is that is the antithesis of what i was doing yeah i was not having a bash i was going at like 24 hours a day i was thinking about this it was on a small scale but like running the numbers planning the beers Getting the hops, doing the contracts, getting the designers, getting well, the like, designers. Yeah. And I was like, no, this is this is a tiny little sort of kernel of what I hoped that this could become. And so there was there was planning. There was sort of it wasn't just like oh fuck it, you know, man, let's just make some beer and see no, what happens. No, 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 no. That, so, but I think but, that's what I recognised in you as well. It was, there was definitely a seriousness to it. Yeah, but it was also well, it's my it was, yeah, it was everything that yeah, everything, everything it still is. So a pretty integral part of track developing is Matt coming on board full-time to become where he is now, the head brewer. So Matt is the man who's dreamed up most of the beers that you know us for today and has has been a common theme through these episodes. He took a step out into the dark, left his job, took the pay cut to pursue his passion, brewing beer, and he hasn't looked back since. Maybe once or twice, but... Generally, I think he, he enjoys writers. Um, so, yeah, we get a little bit more into Matt's first kind of initial steps into track full-time and how that's gone on to develop to where we are now. You are listening to Track Brewing Co. Presents the first time, and this is our interview with Sam Dyson. And so you live in Chalton. Yeah. And I used to deliver to the font. And yeah. Matt was the, like, the general manager of the whole group. Yeah. And he'd yeah. set up a little homebrew 
Well, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, he'd set up this pretty, you know, elaborate homebrew thing. Yeah. It was... You but know, he'd set up a little, like, homebrew kind of, like, group yeah. in, 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 in font as well, hadn't he? Yes, like, exactly. And so he... Th- this, this homebrewers group would meet up. They'd drink each other's beer. And Al was in it, I think, from Cloudwater. And I, I think they had some, like, people who were making amazing stuff. Yeah. And I, I think Lee, Lee was, was over, Lee there, was over yeah. there as well. So and Matt was... <laughs> it's just Matt in a nutshell. I think he was organising this and sort of like called meetings and get them all together and this kind of stuff and like do all the samples. And they were probably pretty brutal with each other, knowing Matt and Al now. Um, but he, he, they would enter these beers into competitions that then I, as a brewery owner, would go and judge and um, for like Stockport and Manchester cider festivals. And yeah. so. You drink these beers and you drink one and you'd be like, okay, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> like it's drain everything. Pour. Yeah, like drain, pour this. But then on the flip side, you would, it was Matt's beer. You'd be like, right, you can take all of this other stuff away because no one is getting anywhere near to this. Yeah. And Matt was, you know, he would always say very nice things to me about the beer and I'd bring it in and we'd talk and like he would buy off me regularly. And he'd buy for the whole group thing, so he was, you know... Which he, is like a lifeline as a small brewery. Totally. When a bar's just like, I like what these guys are doing, I want it. Because yeah. Matt as well was like, a, he was a full beer adventurer at that time, because he, yeah. he, he was running font, but he said he would... There wasn't really big distribution network set up, so he would drive to London or Bristol and pick up kegs from the Colonel and drive them back, yeah. just, just so he could have them on the bar, because he wanted to drink the best beer he could, and no one was really supplying it. Yeah, and he time. wanted to... In, you know, he wanted to introduce it to people as well. Yeah. Say, look, this is what you can have. Yeah. And look how good it is. And I guess he was then drinking these beers and going, right, I can make this because I'm Matt Dutton. And I can- <laughs> I'm Matt Dutton. <laughs> I'm Matt Dutton. I can do this. But I, so he came to me and said, he'd, he'd saved up loads of holiday, I think, or something or other. And was like, yeah, I, remember this I could either take a sabbatical and go or whatever, like go and do some skateboarding or climbing, whatever it is. And uh, he was like, but I can come and volunteer for you. Because I think he recognised that I didn't have, like, the, the budget, if you like, to sort yeah. of take on full-time, full-time members, of staff. members of staff. Like, the, 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 what you need, essentially. But I guess I didn't realise that I did have that. And Yeah, we can get into that. We can get into that, yeah. <laughs> hey, Rose. <laughs> like, um, but it's like... Um, so he, he came and volu- volunteered with me and, um, you know, he did like one day, then he would do like two days in the week and I was like, okay, this holiday is sort of becoming endless. And, and I think I was like, no, I'm going to, I've always been of the point, like if someone does some work in the brewery, they get paid for it. Yeah. Like, that's what work is. You don't just volunteer and like a lot of the stuff that goes on in this industry is it, frankly irresponsible. But like Matt was, you know, everyone was paid for their time. And at the same time, he would bring in, like, beer from his homebrew stuff, and we would sit around the grist case and drink it and talk about what we were getting excited about at that time in beer and with you as well. And um, it was just clear that he was really good at this at, at small-scale brewing, and I, in my own way, was teaching him how to use the kit, the kit on a commercial scale. 
and the beers were shining as well at that point I think for me and yeah. Matt we were, I mean he's trying beers all the time on the bar and there was just something a little different about what was going on I think yeah I, you know it's, obviously yeah. that's why he I hate to say that Matt's a better brewer than me but you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a little while since you've been on the tools yeah no but like but it's I think it's fair to say that he's probably a bit of a bad... But, like, you know... Like, I think it's fair to say that yeah. No, like, there was, there was a very clear point where, But I was like, okay... And I remember it, this, though, because I remember it, like... Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm getting, like, excited and interrupting, because I'd be like... Our initial beers were pretty much pale malt, yep. wheat malt, hops. Yep. Like, every single beer would kind of... Just be a, maybe a slight variation of, like, pale malt, 60%, 40% wheat malt... Because what I was trying to do... Different hop characters. You would brew in, like, it was super clean, and it was, and the hop character was, like, really uh, pronounced. Yeah, like, they weren't all, like, great at all. Like, no. And so, like, you know... But what I was trying to do is let the hops shine. Yeah. Like, I was less interested in the malt and, you know, sacrilege, but, like, there was no crystal going anywhere near my beers. No. It was... And... This sort of, like, the reverse of what I was drinking when I was younger with my dad in the pub and I'd have a half and he'd have a pint of, like, this sort of, like, sweet, malty, biscuity, raisiny type of beer. I was like, nope, out yeah. the door. You wanted something yeah. bright and... and bright, well, hop, zingy, hop-forward. Hop yeah. Where this, were you getting, actually, because this is... I don't have any clue where you were actually getting your, like, recipe ideas from. Was it just a very, you know simple formula of well, like I'd, say like I'd pale worked wheat. in I'd worked in breweries so yeah. I'd, I'd, you'd had picked I'd, up some I'd helped like the head brewer like design beers and like talk about stuff I'd worked at Camden when they were making their sort of pails and mm-hmm. lagers and that so you you know you naturally see what people are doing and you interpret it and go okay I like elements of that, but yeah. I don't like this other bit. And I think if I do this, I'm going to strip out that, put this in, you know, to, you know, make it a bit more, um, put more hops in it, put more <laughs> hops in it, um, completely sort of, yeah, make it eco- commercially unviable. Yeah. And like, but I think you recognize the, the partnership of hops really well as well. I think you were yeah. using like mosaics and citra and Simcoe and like the kind of classics at that time that, that, Again, just lend themselves. Yeah, there was like the great Amarillo year of yeah. 2015, and then it sort of dropped off a cliff for a bit. And, you know, but at the beginning, like, you couldn't get it, was really hard. As but a, it was all cask as well. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. was cask. Well, that's the other thing. Like, the Northwest is famously a cask focused market. It always has been, and, and for good reason. Like, there's some amazing cask beer producers, and like, the beer up here is great. The water's fantastic. Um, as a base water but the, if you walk into a bar in central Manchester back then um, you would see maybe like six or seven hand pulls yeah. and maybe two or three of those were tied and the rest were fair game so I was like okay well this is a simple numbers game there's one keg tap that's open and there's four cast taps so if you can establish yourself as a brewery that makes really good cask beer is the beginning they're going to let you take that one keg line at yeah. some point 
And so it was almost like a proving ground. Like, I can make this format and I can make it really well. So when I come along with this other, you know, thing that you're a bit worried about because, you know, maybe it's a bit hazy or it's like, you know, the, it's a bit more expensive. They're going to be like, oh, well, it's track, so it'll be fine. It will sell because it's got a name. Yeah. And um, that has proved to be correct because that's how... That you've got to earn your stripes. and then You have to. Like, yeah. I don't... And now is, you know, there's a lot of breweries in the country and you know, there's a lot of beer being produced and some of it's brilliant. You know, the standard has, has increased as everyone has pushed each other further and further mm-hmm. and like, okay, like, you know, we've made beer with, you know, kind of like a who's who of like the UK brewing thing and a mm-hmm. lot of that has come from like, we've always picked each other's brains on stuff. It hasn't always... It's a constant... Le- yeah, it's, yeah. It's, the, the job is never done when it comes to this. No, but like I think now... and But alongside what I was doing then, there was this... The whole market was growing. Like, it wasn't just that there were more breweries coming. It was that there was this sort of, you know, the, um, microbars were appearing. Yeah. And, you know, people were converting old post offices into, like, pubs and, and like, little mini bars and, like, old butchers and... Some of the best bars in Manchester are these quite small, mm-hmm. used to, they're on the high street, but they weren't ever a bar, and now there's loads of them. And these guys buy, you know, they buy loads of keg beer. Like, you've got 13 lines to go out, and that sort of stuff wasn't around. Yeah. So, for a brewery of this size, then, to just be purely 100% keg, I think, would have been a big fight. And you'd have oh, needed... it would have been, it would have definitely, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I remember the baby steps that we took into, like, the keg world. Like, yeah, it was just, it, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, the force cabinet. In. But anyway, I, I've totally taken a tan, tangent there, because we were kind talking of about Matt. We were talking about Mac. Yeah. Like, I remember those first early conversations, because I just want to be... I never... I'm still constantly learning. I mean, you can dive into, especially the scientific side of things. I, I'm never going to comprehend it all, but... Mm. I always just loved speaking to Matt and yourself and, and other people and just getting a bounce and of, of what's actually going into the beers. Like, what's, why? I remember asking him, I was like, why is track beers like, they're really good. Like, they, they seem to be standing out a lot better. And Matt was just like, well, all the processes are really well drilled and the cleaning's really thorough and this, that, and the other. And then he was like, but uh, Matt, uh, Sam doesn't seem to uh, play around with his malts too much and this, it's quite, it's quite down the line. He was like, I was like, oh, what? What other malts are there? <laughs> he, was like, he was like, "Oh, there's like Vienna malt that, that's that's kind of cool and this and and I was like, "Oh, cool." And then I'd come to you and be like, "Have you heard of Vienna malt?" So <laughs> just like I think just this osmosis of ideas started happening and and, and yeah, I Matt, had heard Matt, of Vienna. I know you got caused to use it. I think, but Matt's Matt's like little bits of kind of like slight differing from from the foundation that you'd set. Like, I remember the first beer. I think the first beer he ever did was Mojave. Yes. Could be wrong, which was like a rye. But it was light rye, because rye, to me, had always been, like, kind of red and spicy. Yeah. and uh, But that was, like, a, a light rye pale ale. And then, yeah, I think it was just, like, the development from there. And this, to get back to the point of what I was saying earlier, was the freedom that you gave me and Matt was so liberating and so, like, trusting, really, that you, you, you would do that. Because you, yeah. I guess... You saw something in us that you didn't possess that, that yeah. could maybe pull us in a, a forward direction. Face. A friendly face. <laughs> Someone to lean on. on. Well, no, like, there was a point when Matt, you know, it was clear, like, his, this, 
his sabbatical work, like his, this holiday period was, was definitely going to come to an end. And he was like, look, do you have any work going? And I was like, yeah, for you, absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, it was like, okay, Matt is now on board. And that's when it was, he and I had a conversation, I think, pretty late at night. And he was like, right, one of us is going to have to really get into like, um, to like deep, deep into like the, the, the chemical sort of um, salt side of this and like really sort of properly dedicate a lot of time and energy to it. Mm-hmm. And I think he looked at my face and could see that I was running all the sort of backup side of things. And it was like, right, off you go. Do pretty much whatever you want. You, you and I both know what kind of beers we like and what yeah. we're both trying to get towards. And you were on board with it as well. And that's what I think over the time has just allowed us to develop and develop and develop. And, and it, was, it was very much hoppy beers. Totally. That was, that, I mean, that was literally our found... Like, I've said it again a few times on the, the podcast, is just that we brewed, like, three stouts in the first four years as a brewery. Like, yeah. Toba was obviously the first one. And, but, yeah. but it was hop-forward beers with what we all wanted to drink. And I was, on a, the to- I was on a total voyage of discovery with this. I was like, yeah. fuck, man, this is well exciting. Like, double IPAs and IPAs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think when we, like, we, we were all totally on board with, like, we all know what we like. Yeah. So... And we all know what can, we can bring to the party, I guess, like, what... Yeah, and like our palates and tastes for stuff, I think, are aligned. Yeah. And so from, and all of it, like the visual side of track, like the, I'd work with a designer at the beginning to sort of put the, the bones in place with it of what I wanted Shout it to out be. Shout Mr. Sedgwick, because yep, he'll, he'll, he'll get mad if he, uh, yep, if he doesn't hero get Hero amongst <laughs> men. And that was something that has now been built upon and yep. is is like the, the, the branding and the, like the graphic stuff that we do now like with Amy who's taken over from Dave and like the sort of like the groundwork that I put in I guess with like the beers like Matt has built upon and mm-hmm. like just taken off in his own direction entirely and then with the hiring of sort of Will, Harry, Danny um, who all bring something to the party mm-hmm. is like what I like to do is to do exactly what you just said is like why would you take people on and then sort of stuff them in a box and say right that's your little bit over there and don't you dare come out of it yeah it's bollocks if you see people that are good at something you just let them go with it and and also recognize that maybe you don't know it's like oh yeah totally i remember totally i i use the analogy of me telling you about uh Instagram. I was like, Sam, I'm going to set up an Instagram account. And you just like looked at me as you were like pouring hops in the, in the FV, just like, how much does it cost? And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to take this one, mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, and thus began the... Well, the I'm about 140 track. years old. So yeah, like. but, but there's so much to be concerned about that is outside of the field of like social media and this, that, and the other. Now a lot of breweries might purely start through a social media and marketing driven side of the... I think that's totally fair to say. Yeah, and the, but at that time it was like, you well, were like you could running s- a business. Sit that, there in your tap room, sort of giving yourself five stars and untapped all day long, you and your buddies, <laughs> shooting up the charts. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so yeah, there was, there, was, there was a lot of that. And I guess we, we've kind of skipped over, but we should probably bring it back to Sonoma, which oh, yeah. was the, you know, it was the second beer you ever produced. 
Yeah. It was just this three Which point. Some it, wag decided to point out on Twitter could have been just, was it like pure luck or genius? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely genius. Total genius. Total genius. But it was. The, I mean, it, it hit something, which yeah. was like the ABV and a hoppy. But I mean, give us a little bit of a background of that beer. Well, like when I when it was the second beer that we ever produced, it it was like in terms of. But I don't mean it was the second beer that went through the kit. The first beers were Ozark, which yeah. was like a four point four percent pale ale, like an American pale ale. Kind yeah, of. like light, slight biscuitiness, um, but like. D- my whole vision for this sort of first foray of beers, if you like, were like super light, um, not allowing sort of like the malt to not interfere is the wrong word, but like just sort of like just to support the yeah. hops. And like I had in my mind, and it's not a, that's not a stroke of genius, is that like okay, we're in the northwest of England, a lot of beer is drunk on cask. These are sessionable beers that people want to drink. So something around like three eight to four percent, but that is super smashable and zesty, floral, sort of just something that is thirst quenching and just like a delight. I was yeah. like, that is the beer that I want to make in this first series of beers. Because if you'd have led with like a seven percent beer, it's not you're not gonna get throughput on it. So yeah, I mean, and like, the, the, the UK market was not, like you said, like Old Tom or something like that. Yes, the magnet in Stockport is not going to go through 10 casks of 7% IPA. Well, they might yeah. do, actually, but, like, but he will get through 10 casks of Sonoma or mm-hmm. 3.8 if you make that beer. So Ozark was like the testing ground for like, okay, so how does the kit work? You know, da, 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 let's get the processes right. Okay, let's see what the colour pickup is on the malts, the stuff that we're using. Um, can we change the base malt from this, you know, pale to maybe something like extra pale, or like you know, various like types of like Maris Otter or different suppliers, Bairds, Crisps, Simpsons. So there were iterations through that, and that beer was sort of like the trialing ground, and it was good. I I liked Ozark. It's just never sort of made a comeback. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, like the, the 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 second beer, if you like, in inverted commas, was this idea of this. Yeah, this 3.8, super light, super zesty, proper session cask beer that could and had the ability, if the body, like if you could get the body in it, that could translate into bottle and keg. Because that was always the idea that, yeah. you know, it's, this isn't just the cask product. This is something that you can, you know, transform across multiple formats. And, um... Yeah, and I, I brewed two batches of it, one of which, like, I think the, the, like the cooling went, but it definitely went down the drain. Ugh. And the second one um, wasn't quite right, so that one disappeared too. And then the third one, I remember... Which is like, so you're drain pouring some beers at... Like, you can't afford stuff. to do. Yeah. Like, at my scale, with my funding... But like, you just weren't happy with it. No, because I, I knew that, like, this beer, I, I knew what I wanted it to be. And I was, it was getting there. Um, and the hop expression was there, but it was still a little, I don't know, like muted in, yeah. in tank. And then the third one, I was racking out Ozark, I think, and the beer had finished and I tried it from the tank and I was like, that, right. Okay, that's the one. That's, the one. that's it. And over the years, it has 
has changed. You know, there was this... you've had a funny relationship with yeah, it as well. Yeah, like you've kind of gone, you'd be like, because everyone was like, we were just, you know, it was just I knew flying. It was just flying out, like, and people were just couldn't get enough of it and you know still can't which is amazing but you had a uh, you were like oh it's just yeah I guess it's good yeah it's alright but I think there's just something that it became that you can't really artificially make that kind of thing it just it no. just it, it well you know like you know what you want it to be yeah and so if you go to the bar and you try it and maybe like the pub hasn't kept it that well or you've had get something that's getting towards the bottom of the barrel it kind of knocks you like oh fuck what have i you know what have yeah. i actually done here and so you don't know the circumstances of it and so and at that time we didn't have our own bar so you're either you know trying beer from the tank um to make sure there's no no faults with it and like you would you know obviously uh, QCing it through fermentation and you'd be like okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah this is it this is it and then you try it out in the wild and you don't know which part of its life cycle you've hit it at because cask is such a delicate yeah. thing. And so, but there were people, the reports coming in from various pubs and like drinkers that we'd met and knew were like, fuck, this is like, this is a really good beer. And, I was, and that was enough. Like these people's opinions I trusted and, you know, you and Matt and, you know, I, yeah, it was, it was validation in an extent that this was something that we should carry on with carry on with and like really pursue as well and to try and refine because I think it's funny did you ever have a, like a sense of wanting to do house beers because at the start there was like there was like Mazama IPA Turbo yeah. Stout like you you covered all the Ozark 4.4% and then Sonoma yeah all the ABVs but like yeah, <laughs> you, you managed to get a good covering of ABVs uh, yeah, um, yeah. but I mean we totally strayed away from that really Sonoma yeah. is you know Till maybe like Half Dome came along was literally just the only beer that we carried on kind of producing. Well, someone said to me at the beginning, because he, the, there, was, there were breweries, Colonel being the obvious one, and like Squawk up here, were like, you know, they'd have a beer called Pale, and it would then just change the hops on the yeah. pump clip or IPA and do the same thing. And um, someone said, like, at your scale, like, trying to do repeat beers is ridiculous because you don't, you won't have, you don't have the kit, you don't have, you won't be able to get the consistency right. And that was just a big fuck you, really. Yeah. Like, I can do this and watch because I'm going to do it. And, like, and, but the, it was clear, though, that that, that beer was, it, it deserved to be, like, re- repeat stuff. And, like, the IPAs and, the oatmeal stouts and those sorts of things, like they never quite hit the spot. They were, yeah, no, they were, they, they were, were good. Decent, like, yeah, they were good beers, but like, I, it was too restrictive for me, mm-hmm. and it was too restrictive for you. Yeah, and because the market was changing, and to some extent that that individual was right. Like, producing a core beer is, is it's fine. Yeah. Like, but people bars and newer bars just wanted like change you know have you tried this it's from this da, 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 da. then there's a new version of this from these guys and like that's what got people interested and excited and some people criticize it for just being like it's every week is a new beer blah 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 you know, meet Man, new but i think we're all kind of like like what speaking back to like matt's creativity yeah. and, and my want for constant movement it's like it it's 
it's pushed us forward, and and every beer has been almost like an experimentation of, of, yeah, of and hop flavors and w- malts and totally. And total, that's what's total good adventure about yeah. us at our scale and us yeah, as a brewery. We yeah, we have this one beer that we have used as like a you know we've refined it and changed it and sort of tweaked it and nipped it up here and there, and now I've got this pretty like damn repeatable beer that is. I think one of the best pails in the country. Yeah. That's the sound of a trumpet being tooted. But then, <laughs> but then around that, like sort of like Matt, like the new IPAs and like the Matt's level of creativity and his uh, doggedness to just get things right at mm-hmm. every single point in the process has led to like, you know, he's an ex, an amazing brewer. And well, so, if, I, do you remember the first one where we all like? I, I always reference it on like Instagram and stuff that we kind of like stood around the tank and we could smell the hops coming off of it. Yeah, just like going to the sun. Yeah, and that was like Matt's like first big IPA recipe, and uh, we were all just like, Whoa. yeah, it's like like that full hop aroma just filling the brewery. But there was we took that and beer. it was hazy. Which yeah. is like kind of like cool. We were just like fucking yes. But we we took that beer to Manchester Beer and Cider Fest. So I think that was the first time it was poured. And at first, people were like just come in and having a third or a half, whatever. And like, you know, and by the end of it, there was a line of people demanding pints of this thing. And just yeah. there was like there was one guy I think had about forty pints of it and was just, just like crawling out. Afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> you could hear the ambulance <laughs> coming. Like, not the advocate any of that, but like it. It was just validation again of like yeah. the, the direction we were going in, and we were like everyone was on board. It's like this is what we want to do. This is what we want to become. We've got this bottling line that we bought from Cloudwater, so you know we can start doing small pack in a more manageable, controlled way because it was a good piece of kit. Yeah, I mean we've had a funny relationship with small pack though. Yeah, I feel like we've never really consistently did it, done it, which is. Pretty wild if you think about it. Now we're coming up to six years old. Uh, we never really consistently did small pack until July when we got the cannon line. We, I, no. I mean, we did a bit. I think we did four months because running it's a on the bottle to line. use. Yeah, and like na- but the then, bottles weighed about four ton each. And like, but you, just... you are you said to me as well that someone had given you some advice of like small pack, basically saying don't start putting beer into small pack until you're like four years in or something because you're, so, yeah, you're yeah. not going to be you're not going to be well, good enough and, and, and to be honest like I as we've had many frustrations it's been fucking super stressful at times yeah. we've wanted to get small pack out and had to recall stuff before it's even gone out and this that and the other all of the trials and tribulations but I feel like the timing was kind of perfect for when it for when it actually happened um I know that, like, maybe, maybe we do things slightly differently, but yeah, it was. It feels like it was the right time. Like the beers were getting to a level where we were we were happy, with, and they still weren't. I mean, they'll never become complete, but no. but when we started putting beer into can, we were like, we we felt the product was at least consistent enough to 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 warrant it being there. No, and, like and sending the, it out. It being that way for ages is just we. 
it became clear like the sort of the, the limitations of the bottles were like you just couldn't yeah. ship them particularly well and they were always breaking and um it, it was, was so laborious the actual bottle yeah it. like you'd take five of you to run the thing and it was just the whole thing was just a nightmare and so and also the beer that we make um is better off in a can to yeah be perfectly honest like it's, it's the format that serves us um mm-hmm. as a brewery better and yeah i think our I think our beers are, like the, our setup now is is perfect for us, and the beer is better for it. Well, and and also just the reach. Like I, I feel it. Like you live in the bubble, don't you? And we thought we were, you know, we were trying, and I and there was times where I was like, when we'd have all this double IPA in kegs, and it would be like expensive, and then you'd be asking people to take it, and still people were like, oh, who are you? Like didn't really know who we were, and yeah. so I had to organize like sink launches so this beer would pour in 15 different bars around the country at, the, at six o'clock on a friday evening yeah uh, but no one really knew who we were at that time uh i mean you know not that we're like huge now but like small pack really opens up a whole new market to your beers that like yeah that we didn't really realize because we thought we were producing a lot of beer because we were working our asses off to get it out <laughs> the door and it was like four of us when will came on and it was like hell it was so intense um but really we were producing pittance really for for we the still are I mean, well, like, still yeah still totally are but the, you know, the, the whole you know the plans for what's next and everything like it just you know the, it's all just like validation of what you're doing basically yeah. you know the beer stands up with like people from that we really respect from all over the place you know, admire that about us, and like, that's great, and that's all you can really ask for. I think people. that was the most exciting point for me. I think I, when I, you know, worked in music, I say worked in music when I tried to be a musician. You're a rock star. Real musician. Uh, I think the only, the, the biggest validation you can ever get is the respect of your peers, the people that you, you, uh, you know, Bob yeah. Dylan putting his hand on my shoulder and be like, that that song's beautiful. But that happened. That never happened. Times, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that never happened. But what did happen he is knocked Mick Jagger out of the way to get to you to tell yeah, you how good exactly. you Exactly. Uh but uh what did happen was we were pouring at festivals like IMBC and people from breweries that whose beer I loved and well we yeah. all loved were coming over and drinking our beer and like enjoying it you know and i remember one point at imbc where we had like adam from verdant david wylam this is when before they were like really good friends and stuff yeah. but it was just like oh fuck man this is this is great that, that that's the kind of validation that you you want because you want you 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 put all of the effort all of this effort into the product like everything we gave we've given everything to 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 the beer and the brewery as a whole yeah so to get that kind of sense of like right this is this is on a platform that we feel is, it's getting there. It's it's making some waves in 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 the well, like, small world you know, we exist in. It's like, it's like everything, isn't it? We're in the business of making a product that we, you know, that is designed for people to enjoy and yeah. like share and, you know, having an environment that is, you know, enjoyable and all the rest yeah. of it. And like, if you can do that and people and people like what, what it is that you do, then you know that's a great thing, right? For us, yeah. Anyway. I mean, I think you know. I feel like I'm talking about myself loads here, but I, this is because I guess it's a, a, a bit of a back and forth. But when we used to have the events in the tap room, mm. when it was when we had space and people were just chugging our beers <laughs> and then like dancing until like one in the morning, um, yeah. that was fucking so cool. Just to 
just a connection and community around it. And I think, you know, that's what we all really realized. And, you know, going right back to your trip to America of like community driven tap rooms are just. Yeah, it's that's fun, exactly, isn't it? Like, yeah. Getting, you know, it's, it, we've, we've had the tap room in the brewery in an old abandoned mill and then sort of shared a space with Cloudwater. And, you know, they've all been good in their own way. And, like, they've had, never hours. Yeah, they've really been sort of hours, hours. Mm-hmm. And I like, would, you know, working towards making that happen in the not too distant future. And, but yeah, it's, you know, that's, it does go back to that. And I guess that's the line that runs through it all is that these things that I was experiencing in the States and other places around the world and, you know, they're the same here now. You know, it is here. Like, yeah. you know, every, all the breweries that we've worked with and they've all in some way got their own version of this. Like you go down to Daya's new place, it's incredible. This new tap room situation they've got there. Yeah. The guys up in Leeds North have got like a series of bars around like, and they're just recreating this whole thing. It's like, this is what it is. This is what it's about. And like, I think for us, and we're all on the same page. It's like that's what we want to do with the business as well. It's like, yeah, totally. Tap rooms, it, like you know, that, it, that experience of drinking it at the source with the people that are making it, sort of, you know, just over there. It's it's good. Yeah, and I feel like it's it's funny. Another thing that I think you know I respected about you and I think Matt saw as well is that there was an eye for expansion. But it wasn't like this massive expansionist mindset. It was like, let's keep pushing this thing. Every day. And you remember how terrifying each other was? So we had two tanks, yeah. then we had four tanks. And then the, that next step, which was eight tanks, these are all like just 1,000 litre vessels. So they're not like huge tanks or anything. But do you remember how terrifying it was? You were just like, yeah, but like are we going to be able to sell like, this beer? Like, is this, are we, are we going to be able to do it? But like, that's what sounds so ridiculous about it as well in some ways. Is like, it's such... It's so Tiny. small. Yeah, like, you're just, it's just not even a ripple on the water. But then, you know, now there are... We've got, like, six more double tanks yeah. and the canning line and the cold room's got bigger. We've had to take on more storage space. But each time that we've put this, you know, with this, this ex- expansion of cold side in, it's, you know, you've, there's, there's a way... It has always been at capacity straight away. Yeah. Every time we've done it, it's like, whether it's one week or two, it's just it's immediately there. And I yeah. think if we did it again, it would, it would happen again. And, like, it's... Um, but, yeah, but I think that... I don't know if it's, like, cautiousness, but it's, it holds you in good stead in some sense. Definitely. Because, like, like, just pure expansion, hell for leather, like, going more, 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 it just it creates... Um, well for me anyway as an individual I just think there is a I'm going to believe I'm going to say this but there is a harmony in the brewery some days where you're like (laughs) okay this is is good and everybody's you know on the same page and I don't know if we'd done things differently whether we'd have had that because we've everybody's been allowed to sort of um, grow and develop and get into their sort of groove at their own time and in their own way which is a and I think that thing. that is totally the story of the brewery as well it's yeah. like found its groove and and I think that we've all settled on this side of we want to get a bit bigger but we never want to compromise the product 
Like, the exciting <laughs> thing to all of us, I think, is trying that beer out of the tank and going, fuck, that's well... Yeah, which we do now with, like... Yeah. We do it consistently. regularity of just... Because like, there was definitely a point, you know... Well, I know... I, well, not just wobbles, but just, like... I think we all knew the potential of where it could go to, but yeah. I've said it a few times, like, we had certain facility issues that we couldn't use our own use strain and this, that, and the other, that we were like, oh, this is, this is good, but... It could be better. It was, yeah, I think, like, there was maybe one in five that would be, like, really singing. Obviously, Sonoma was always consistent, and then other things that we'd mix in there would be, like, you know, try a few, like, Denali and do a single hop Denali or Styrian wolf things. And yeah, but Styrian, like, I in mean, our defence, we, we were forced to use Styrian wolf. We apologise for anyone that remembers that beer. Jesus but, uh, Christ almighty, that was a bad... Yeah, but, but there was... But now, it definitely feels like there's a consistency. And also, just an excitement in, like, when we did the New York trip... Yeah. And we came back, and we were like, let's just fucking... Yeah. Let's just have some more fun with it and see what we could do. Like, let's do some more... Yeah, bombastic beers or or whatever it is, and that's kind of and, that, and then people have responded to it, and that's been super exciting. And people get excited about people getting excited about the beer will never fail to get me out of bed in the morning to come to work. Like that, that's the fundamental. And when we at the moment it's all done through a digital medium, but when we can kind of bring that back into a sense of like literally seeing people take sips of the beer and being like whoa I'll yeah. be even like whoa that's a bit weird but like there's so much uh, no I mean it's not exactly engagement I mean, to be had there if you could have described the worst sort of set of circumstances for almost everything it probably would look something like this yeah not just for people's health and the wider community and what people are going through with restrictions on their lives and everything but on the business side as well of like we're a company that makes things that sells to other bars, restaurants, yeah. and obviously through our own channels as well. And um, yeah, we can't really wait until we can things. Yeah, for, for all well, of those reasons, we'll do a little brief on the COVID thing because basically yeah. this is. It feels like, yeah, I mean, literally BC before COVID, and yeah, I mean, I mean we're still in it now. Like it, I'm, we're about to hit another. Wave of whatever uh, unpredictability, but we were thankfully we're in a place where we could knuckle down and make make something work. We we it was terrifying at the start, and then we were like, well, we've got one option, and that's to to There's just no, work, work yeah. as hard as we can to to try and keep the ship floating. Because I I remember you know going home. I've told you that story of just going to Chloe and being like, yeah, I think, you know, there might be two paychecks left at least and then we can maybe move to Wales with your parents. So no was, chance. Yeah, but there was, there was a, I mean, I think everyone in the, the world had that sense of anxiety of the unpredictable nature of it. And Well, yeah, if you look at but what we were like, done... We, the, had, we had one option, which was just to knuckle down and absolutely go hell for leather at yeah, so like we could. If you look at what we'd been doing... To six months prior to that, like a lot of what we were, you know, we were doing lots of international travel. We were showcasing at festivals. We were doing collaborations with pe- people from here, there, everywhere. We've been to the US. There was more plans to go back. We got invited to uh, Michaela's Copenhagen. Like huge thing for us. Like we were all so excited about it. And then the, you know. The, the drawbridge, just, the drawbridge came just, up. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so everything that we were doing was halted yeah. like overnight. Totally. And 
a lot a good section of the business was selling to as I said like bars and restaurants in the mm-hmm. area and that was cool and that's you know it's a good thing to walk into a place in Manchester and, or in London or Bilbao Barcelona Real, not Real Madrid Madrid and like yeah. drink track beer it's cool but yeah that was all over and the decisions that we'd made over the previous couple of years to invest in packaging lines and to control everything in-house, yeah. to not be at the mercy of third-party people and all that kind of stuff was proved to be a good one because, yeah, we, we did spend like a few days scratching our heads going, right, okay, let's set up a trestle table at the front of the brewery and see if we can sell some beer over the threshold. And it wasn't vast amounts, but it just made... What's good about us is our ability to just... Do, like do things like we're all pretty proactive I and mean, it's like right so this whole market is now closed to us what do we do now yeah and then let's find another market and let's just make it work and let's make it work in 48 hours and we'll get on with it but with that comes like to use the word that you were talking about earlier that was so important is like that this this little this time has shown us is validation like a sense yeah. of like holy shit, people want us to exist. Because really, you know, that we've been at the mercy of people wanting to drink our beer and thankfully that they have. Yeah. So it's with huge thanks to them. But that, that's also, you know, the legwork we put in and I guess the, the sense of care and love and attention that we've given the product has then gone out into the world and has given back to us, which, which has been... It's been... It's been a fucking roller coaster, but it's been yeah. it's been like. It's but like been, in, in in that time as well, like we've you know we've made some pretty big decisions to do other things with like you know new units and yeah. like there is the groundwork slowly being put into place for like part two of the project. Yes, and like you know that's for another time. But like, yeah, definitely. But the, like all of it has been. It shows that. The, the collective thinking is the right thing. Is we have the hive mind of track <laughs> is, 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 is in the right way. And, like, it just means that we can pull together and do things. And, you know, the guys over, like, Cloudwater, um, they set up their, their online store and started stocking everyone's beer in Manchester. And, again, like, people just pulled together. Yeah. And that's what you need in these sorts of times. And, totally. as you say, it's not over by a long shot. And no. we don't know what's going to happen. And... Um, someone very wise once said, "Like the, the best way to support breweries or your favourite breweries, or whatever, is to, is to go to them directly and buy yeah. from them directly, and be that in the tap room or sort of um, by buying online or whatever. Or you know, that's that's the way that people survive. Yes, yeah. as a business, it's like, and I think it's the same in restaurants and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like people are ri- literally they're going to design their own." economies like what do you want to be there like that yeah the the power of the wallet has never been as strong as it is now because because it's it's gonna matter like and that's not a shout out to us it's just in general independent business is is very much uh yeah everyone is and hopefully that drives it drives us all to keep wanting to push forward i think in yeah i mean every like literally everybody is going through a crap time yeah. i don't i think it's pretty universal yeah. apart from you know jeff bezos but like <laughs> yeah you know, i think everybody is having jeff a shit time all right yeah 
So, but the way that, you know, when this does get resolved and some really clever person in Oxford or, you know, the United States and comes up with a vaccine and, you know, we start to pull out of this, if you want those things still to be there and those community hubs and those restaurants and bars and that kind of stuff, then I think if you can now and you're in a position to be able to do it, then supporting them is a really great thing because they will remember it and they will thank you for it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a very tricky time, but yeah, well, I didn't want to get too bogged down in it. I just, I think it's like, it's such a pivotal part of most businesses, but this is this, this story is obviously about track. So I wanted to kind of like give people a sense of like, it's been, it's been nuts. But like mm. it's it's with huge thanks that we're we're still on the other side of it, and and the plans that we had before, we're still going to push forward with, which will be you know coming soon, as it were. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's let's do a bit of a bit of reflecting here, Sam. So okay. like that you did you ever think that it would come to this point? Was that always your vision of just like this slow growing business to this point, or has it been? Yeah, I did think. Yeah. I, I, uh, to be honest, I thought it would be faster and we'd have 80 people now. And like, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I think, no, it, yes, this is always, and not just for my mental health, like to have more people around was a good thing yeah. because I know very well what I am like and I know that I can't do it all. And like, yeah. so you need people who are doing other things that are better at doing them than you are. That's kind of what a business is. And how is. would you... How would you describe the journey so far if you were to sum it up as a, as a little Extremely sentence? pleasant with moments of absolute horror. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you've thought about that for some time. No, uh, no like... I think... That, I'm not going to... Like, I'm with you. Anyone who thinks either is thinking of setting up a brewery or is, or is fortunate enough to have set one up and thought that it was just going to be a daydream from beginning yeah. to end is bonkers. And I didn't yeah. think that at the beginning at all. You, you had a sense I'd of realism. Yeah. And so there are things like funding and yeah. finance that can smooth the ripples somewhat and that can sort of like, you know, But they all, all can also compromise them in the... In yeah, the I guess yeah. to some extent. But like, they, you know, that sort of level of security can probably make you sleep easier at night and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But... um they're not easy things, but the the highs are incredibly high. Like the experiences that I've had from setting up track and the places that I've been to and the beers that I've had with people. And the people you've met. And the people yeah. that I've met. And um, yeah, they're amazing things. Like, yeah. you know, and I can't imagine of not having had the opportunity to experience them. Yeah, I, I'm, again, yeah, I can only echo that really, like the fact that we've travelled to pretty far reaches of Europe, especially, and, you know, to America, we did the trip there as well, and the people you've come into contact on both sides of the aisle, like, in, you know, behind the scenes and in front, it's been just incredible, really, to... Uh, yeah, to use a word I use all the time, but just and and I'm super thankful that you let me run with what I thought were good ideas and like take kind of control of the kind of the aesthetic of where track is and the yeah. social media and stuff, but also just 
just that we've managed to do it and still be able to talk over the table and, and laugh occasionally is, yeah. is, is, a, is an amazing no, I think thing. There is, there is a general like, light-heartedness to the brewery. Like, we don't really take ourselves tremendously seriously. Yeah. There are beer names are getting a bit sort of like... Deep. Deep. But, um, I, but there's, a, there's an element of like not taking yourself seriously, but taking the job you do very seriously. And I think that... Well, that, I think that in a nutshell could be the sort of the tag well not the tagline but like that's the ethos of the brewery yeah. it's like the thing the product the beer is deadly serious yeah but the way we go about it and the way we approach things has a lighter touch I yeah think. and we're not we don't shout as loud as other people we don't and I on a personal basis am, you know I'm fucking dancing down the street every five minutes <laughs> so from track yeah woohoo <laughs> like I don't do that and um yeah, and so, yeah. Just nonchalant at the bar. I don't think nonchalance is, it's just it's like sheer terror. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's it. It's like, the, the beer is, it's all about the beer. Yeah. It's that time in the episode again, where we ask Sam, where do we go from beer? With everything that's gone on with track over the last five years, us being still a relatively small brewery with some plans to move forward, and with the current climate of the duty change on the horizon, I thought this would be an interesting question, and I was super interested to hear what Sam's thoughts were. You are listening to Track Brewing Co. Presents the first time, and this is our interview with Sam Dyson. The industry, particularly in the UK, over the last five to ten years has evolved and has grown hugely the number Mm -hmm. of breweries has grown the quality that is there has grown i think that is something i think will continue yeah the quality driven side of things people are the the brewers are getting better the equipment that people can get hold of for a price point that doesn't seem insane but allows them to package things professionally and in a good way is, is only going to improve um, and the way that the people who own breweries and the people that are like in, involved in them I think you know me you Matt we've got the same sort of idea of what we want to do with the business and yeah. focusing on the quality and the, and the and the sort of like the element of getting people in getting the beer into people's hands as quickly and as directly as possible, I think is going to become a feature. I think what COVID and this situation has done is like put everyone's mind on doing more retail stuff themselves through yeah. their own uh, online platform. I don't see that. The, you need the critical mass there on the demand side, but that's for the breweries to keep on creating things that are keeping people excited. So I think that's going to be a focus. But there needs to be support. Yeah, and this is something that no, <laughs> it drives you around the bend, like properly around the bend. Like it's very difficult to grow a business in in any environment without some sort of support structure there for you, and there has to be a serious question of whether the government or the legislature in this country wants businesses like ours to even survive. Yeah. Um, and I think that's heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, Be- this is on the premise of the new duty threshold. and Yeah, so we don't know anything about what the numbers suggest behind it, but we do already have one of the highest duty thresholds, well, taxes in the whole of Europe. Yeah. 
it's not the world. And um, the thought that people who had used this system to get to the next level of production and then to turn around and pull that ladder up behind them is reprehensible. Mm-hmm. And you <laughs> and doing it under the specious notion of um oh yeah, it'll just encourage people to grow. Grow and merge was very yeah. very interesting term. It'll make them more attractive to being merge. taken over by people. Yeah, it's like, it's like great, because that's what you've always wanted from your favourite breweries is to yeah. become part of XYZ wing of massive GYZ you know corporations. It's just it's just, it's just bollocks. And you the breweries in Manchester, like they've all grown to some extent. Be that you don't have to have grown in sort of like the amount of beer that they produce, but these are the people that we see around all the time. But what they have done is they have taken on people, and as they have grown, they have paid taxes and yep. they have um, contributed in all sorts of ways that the kinds of people making these decisions have probably never faced in their entire lives, and. Um, that sort of shit drives me around the bend. And so that is a, a existential... I mean, that's a huge one, isn't it? Because that could literally change the any notion of starting a brewery like you, yeah. Sam, and uh, you, sorry, Ollie and Mark and Rob did, yeah. kind of goes out the way. Unless if you just literally small... You, you're hiding that really small window, which means you need really a tap room to exist and... Yeah, but that's the beauty of these sorts of things is that people find a way. Yeah, you can And there will always be a way. That's maybe what this kind of thing forces people to do anyway. Yeah. Like, if someone's saying to you, it makes no sense for you to be sort of there making that amount of beer and putting it in a cask and selling it to that pub because there's a guy in, you know, that brewery down the road that's 40, 50 times bigger than you who can do it in a way that you can't even imagine. For a price point, you can't even dream yeah. of getting to. That's kind of what this stuff is about. It's not... I don't think they really want to be kicking people down the ladder. What they're... The thing that they're doing is looking at things going... The numbers are going in the wrong way. Yeah. And we're on the wrong side of this. So those guys over there who are doing this other thing... You know, they're the problem. You know, they're taking things from us. And it's like, we're not. The, the wider market is declining. Yeah, and uh, well, and you could use the word evolving, but it's it's changing. You know, like there might yeah, be we'll less consumption, but it'll be more specific how people are consuming. Yeah, everybody has to change. Like that's yeah. that's like that's business. And if you're, I don't know, like it's it is a very worrying turn of events. Yeah, and um, but I think it will just will adapt, like we have done each and every time. Yeah, and we will either become something different or we will do things in a different way that makes it work for us. Yeah. And that's what we do. You know, we're a small, nimble business with good people and that's that's what we want to continue to be. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in for it. Well, uh, I think that, that... But, like, I don't know. I think... But the, on a more positive note, like, this goes back right to the very beginning of when I was talking about sort of being... 17, 18, walking into a pub and being faced with those three beers. If you are interested in beer now and you have any inclination of a style that you like or um, a producer that you particularly admire, 
you can get hold of it now. You can get hold of it in the UK. You can travel to Croatia and find a beer that you like. You can go to Italy. You can go to France. You can go to Germany. There's some like. But it's actually things that you search. You search out good beer, like yeah, when you go to those places. Because you know, and I'm not suggesting like every fucking place is like you know some sort of wonderland of this. But by and large, these sorts of environments, or you'll get, walk in, you'll have a good time, and you'll find something that you like, and that is almost, I guess, like a universal. And you can't really say that about everything. Yeah. Whereas this sort of sector, it does have that. Like there is something for everyone. Yeah. And I think the, the breweries that are really good will get better and they will continue to produce more of this good stuff for you to enjoy. And like, I think that's an amazing thing. And I think, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, we can, yeah, we can play our part. Keep, yeah, play our part and keep cultivating in a community and, and uh, atmosphere that, that pushes it all forward as well in our own little way, in our own little bubble, you know, but... Yeah, so... What do you think? What do I think? I mean, I have always been of the ilk that I don't want to be huge. I want direct-to-consumer. Like, I want to see people enjoying a space. You know, I was doing those taproom events in the brewery. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's four or five years ago now for for those people that came down. And we'd have DJs, we'd have a food vendor. That is something that I've always got a buzz off. And I hope that, you know, we can... We can do that you know when, when we've actually got our own space that we can call our own you yeah. know we've 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 worked in some, you know we haven't had an office properly for five or six years we've we've yeah. shared spaces we've we've grafted as hard as we can in in with the facilities we can yeah and i'm excited to to push it forward but yeah people are the thing that drive me like that's what gets me excited and also just the yeah the, cre- the creative element that you can you can put to that but People in spaces enjoying the product is where I would love and love to see it go. And but I hope that people don't get like pushed out either. But it, it is no. it, it's a rapidly moving industry that you have to but keep want, your foot on the gas with. Like some of some of the best beers and some of the more interesting beers have come from breweries and um, and brewers that have come up not in a um, they've like come from outside the industry, like they like weren't formally trained or some you know in that way, and like but they've been very creative and talented, mm-hmm. and then they've honed the skills as they've been doing it, and they've got better and better. And it takes time to be able to do that. Yeah, and I think what these sorts of pressures that are being forced upon you is it might remove that and not allow people the time to do it. And then, do we really want? beer in the UK specifically to just be a handful of like super well funded yeah like just people who have everything anyway well, this just is, have more of it it's yeah, like this is fuck that but this is I think why people latched onto the craft beer thing so much is that and you know going back to my kind of connection with music is that a brewery is almost a band you know yeah. like it is it embodies something that's bigger than just the fluid in the can. It's 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 how you put yourself out there, the, the kind of like personality that's put across through their design work and all of that kind of stuff. And 
And it's driven by the people behind it. There's a very close connection between us and the beer and the people drinking it. Yep. And I don't think many other industries have that anymore. I think it all gets kind of brushed away and you lose the sense of, I don't know if provincial is the right word to use, but just a, 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 we're just a, you know, we're just a couple of people who had an, you had an idea and like me and Matt came on board and yeah. that is track. That, that's exactly what it is. And that is all this, we are. Three dudes. Three dudes in well, a space. Modern, yeah. <laughs> but the human element, I think, I just, I just don't want to ever, ever lose that. And I think you do lose that when you, when you get to like the bigger scale of things. It, it kind of can become a little bit faceless. And I hope that you know. Don't, don't get me wrong. There's big breweries like you were talking about new, uh, new Belgium and people in the states that have gone really big and still have this incredible. Yeah. Uh, anyway, any beer. The comet is coming. It's going to hit Earth at any moment. Ooh. You have one beer to drink before before it all goes under. <laughs> Just I don't know why I'm focusing on the apocalyptic today. Um, it could have been brewed before. You could brew it yourself. What's that beer going to be? I'm I'm going to say Fat Tire because Full it circle. was there. Like, yeah, and it, I. I don't spend enough time in the States to know, like, maybe it's considered to be, like, this, like, I don't know. Is it a load of crap? I doubt it. I loved it. Yeah. But, yeah, it means something to me, that beer. Yeah. The bottle cap, like, I'd always find the bottom of my panniers, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know, it was just a, it was a lovely thing. As the sun was going down over, I don't know, the roadside yeah. in... Missouri, and it was just an amazing thing. And I think I that's, cherish it. that's so cool. Full circle, right back to the beginning. Yeah, I couldn't have asked for. Thank you, it. New Belgium. Thank you, New Belgium. <laughs> um, Sam, Stefan, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you, I, man, I think, for I think, everything. <laughs> such a dick. <laughs> uh, I think we could probably like reconvene with this another time and maybe speak about our future projects and future yeah. plans when we they're a little bit more fleshed out and we have something to show people. But for now. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Uh, everyone. Yeah. Much love. Good night. So that's it. The end of the series, episode 10, with the legend that is Sam Dyson. I hope you enjoyed that one. I know it's a little longer than usual, and I was going to edit it downloads, but because... I know this story so well and it's kind of been part of my life. I thought that maybe the bits I'm going to edit out are the bits that you might find interesting. So we left it the whole hog uh, and I guess it's coming at around 1 hour 40. So if you've stuck with it all the way, well done. You did it. (laughs) Um, And again, thank you so much for listening to the series, for giving feedback on it. It's been an amazing project and like I said in the introduction, has kept me sane throughout this uh, this pretty isolated time um, and has also just given me people to talk to that you know through one way or another I would have been seen at beer festivals but as is the current climate that is not possible we will be back I promise we will be back for another series we've already got some amazing guests lined up and we're going to try and start recording those episodes as soon as possible Um, so hopefully the layoff won't be too long and we can get this thing underway in no time at all a massive 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 thank you to Tom Coucher who produces all these episodes who without his skills I don't know if this would have actually got off the ground and his support and general uh, feedback and enthusiasm 
So thank you, Tom. And yeah, thanks to every single guest who's featured. I won't name you all now, but yeah, it's been amazing. And thank you for taking the time out of your days to, to do that with me. So that's it. The first time. Done. Series one. Thank you so much. And as ever, stay thirsty.